Section fifty three, volume three, chapter nineteen of Mrs. Armitage or Female Domination by Mrs. Gore. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Helen Taylor. Chapter nineteen. And yet he with no feigned delight had wooed the maiden day and night, had loved her night and morn. How could he choose but love a maid? whose heart by nature's hand was swayed so kind and so forlorn wordsworth overwhelmed by the consciousness of my situation excited to the highest degree against him to whom i had sacrificed myself as against a profaner of the most sacred mysteries of my faith it was impossible for me to disguise the truth from my sisters i avowed all i threw myself on their protection i threw myself on their mercy and on condition that i would submit to be governed by their judgment obtained from them a promise of aid in concealing from my father facts which i doubted not would bring his grey hairs in sorrow to the grave their first measure was to return unopened the subsequent letters of o'moran the next to procure for me an obscure refuge where my shame might be hidden and the pursuit of my betrayer evaded this was successfully achieved and my father became reconciled to my absence by the belief that at the instigation of my wiser sisters i had resolved to withdraw from the importunities of an admirer so distasteful to my family o'moran therefore on presenting himself some weeks afterwards at my father's house for explanation was denied admittance and on forcing an entrance violently expelled the protection of the law was at length claimed by my family against his intrusion till baffled in every attempt to obtain intelligence of me he became excited to frenzy attempted his own life and when in due time i gave birth to a daughter the child of honourable parents and yet a child of shame its unhappy father under the protection of his own family was the inmate of a lunatic asylum and thus by the blindness of my resentment i had inflicted an irreparable injury on my unhappy babe for had i in the first instance essayed the effect of firmness alike with my family and my husband our marriage might have been legalised previously to the birth of my poor rosamond but now all was hopeless it had become impossible to break the secret to my father while my sisters by the assistance afforded me in concealing my disgrace had obtained an ascendancy over my conduct never thenceforward to be broken miserable as were my prospects on every side my most poignant anguish arose from the necessity of separation from my child my little comforter whose existence still gave me strength to struggle with the cares of life during the survival of my father i was able to see her but by stealth and at rare intervals yet rare as they were they enabled me to bear and forbear my health failed my strength deserted me my courage never trust to us 
had been from the first the promise of my sisters and at some future time this unfortunate pledge of our family dishonour shall dwell under our roof and be unto us as a daughter submit to the concealment necessary for the preservation of our credit in the eyes of the world submit to let her be regarded as a ward an adopted child and she shall never want the care of a parent sir woolston died within a twelvemonth bequeathing the absolute control of his property to my elder sister and how could i resist i had not the means of giving bread to the child had we quitted the grange we must have lain down by the wayside and perished together and for her sake i submitted to renounce the precious name of mother contenting myself to behold her grow up in my presence as in the presence of a stock or stone she was the darling of every heart of every eye all others might love and caress her i alone was obliged to place a restraint upon my feelings lest the world should detect that the hand placed in benediction on her head or the tears that fell upon her little cheek were those of a mother sometimes the very child herself was startled by the impassioned tenderness of my endearments when for a moment we were alone together what makes you love me so very very much she would say in her sweet prattlings mistress di pats me on the shoulder miss avarilla places me on her knee but you hold me to your heart what makes you love me so much more than the rest at other moments i felt obliged to reprehend nay even chastised the creature i so tenderly cherished lest the truth should be made manifest my sisters protested that the excess of my motherly affection was continually breaking forth and that i should surely sooner or later be the means of making known the illegitimacy of the child they even required that rosamond should not be educated under our roof in order to give less colour to the surmises of the world during the period of her absence the poor sick infirm martyrized being who had alternately smiled and wept over her cradle bore with the weariness of life in the expectation of again pressing her to her bosom some trifle of her apparel a glove a ribbon being treasured there like a relic till i was once more blessed with her presence and thus she grew to womanhood while every year my tenderness assumed a more painful development i began to feel that my rosamond was worse than an orphan should she chance to place her young affections aspiringly how grievous might be the mortification entailed upon her i could neither suffer her to go to the altar under a false designation nor find courage to declare the truth to the man her gentle qualities might attract to honour her with his hand heaven knows i desired not to fix her destinies in the loftier ranks of life i trusted that some humble individual of noble mind might be tempted by her beauty her virtues her accomplishments to overlook the misfortune of her birth and when your son lord downham visited the grange it was my entreaty that no encouragement might be given to the sons of the duke of spalding lord wyndham followed the name brought tears into my eyes
and a pang into my heart and still i persevered in my interdiction he was denied the house avoided almost insulted by my sister still he persevered and now came my great trial for i perceived that from the moment of his first visit rosamond was no longer the same person she too was under the spell of the name once so precious to her mother i saw her grow reserved fractious unhappy a thousand miseries were preparing for my child it was time she should be warned and that a moment's present pain should redeem her from years of disappointment i took her therefore into my arms and told her all all my sorrows all my shame but my revelation came too late for instead of the rapturous exclamations with which i had long trusted she would welcome the intelligence that she was loved and watched over by a living mother rosamond answered me only with the name of wyndham already i had forfeited her affections that very morning they had met in secret she knew herself to have been rejected by the duke of spalding and the mystery was now explained she was the offspring of guilt despised cut off condemned how could she find forgiveness for her unhappy mother wyndham my child sickened even unto death under her mortification she is still at the brink of the grave all i have lived for all i have suffered for all i have sorrowed for is vanishing from my grasp my fair girl my gentle girl over whom i have watched and wept during her sleep with such grievous yearnings of heart is going down to the grave guiltless of all but loving one who loves her as once his father seemed to love her most unhappy mother wyndham must this be is the past so utterly forgotten i reproach you not have never reproached you i do but supplicate humbling myself in the dust at your feet and praying for the life so far more dear to me than my own have mercy in exchange for her blighted youth margaret entreats you to have mercy m m the lapse of a few hours after the perusal of this touching appeal sufficed to convey the duke of spalding to the grange nearly thirty years had elapsed since he last quitted it young handsome gay he was now in the decline of life without the consciousness of past happiness or of prosperity virtuously employed to brighten the prospects of age and it was a trying thing for the self-accusing man to hold in his own the withered hand withered by time and care which at their last meeting had been pledged to his by vows of mutual affection what passed at their singular reunion never transpired but on the following day lord wildingham summoned by his father made his appearance at the grange if said the duke your sole motive for breaking off your engagement with miss devonport be your submission to my will receive her 
at my hands as your wife accident alone revealed to you the secret of her birth it is still a mystery to the world let it remain so and should any presume to question the eligibility of the connection tell them my dear wyndham that she is the adopted child of your father i will bestow her upon you at the altar i undertake her acceptance in my family those who affect to slight lady wildingham must display their ungraciousness towards my daughter-in-law elsewhere than under my roof thus encouraged it is not to be supposed that the happy wyndham was slow in the renewal of his suit thus cheered it is not surprising that rosamond's health should rapidly improve her mother by her side her lover at her feet the duke of spalding enchanted with her gentle simplicity of manners retracing in herself all the charms of his early love rosamond was the happiest of the happy joy prevailed at the venerable manor the old ladies had been too much shaken by apprehension of losing the darling of their house to trouble themselves with the politics or the enmities of spalding court their triumph was complete they forgot to scold they almost forgot to prose or prosed only concerning the brilliant prospects of their darling the future lady wildingham of wildingham End of volume 3, chapter 19